A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And let's get this weekend started with the always classic Duff McKagan joke of the week. What do you call a, a Spanish gal with no legs? Consuelo. Thank you. The bad joke's never ending from old Duff. Uh, we love them all. We thank uh, Duff McKagan, Hall of Famer, uh, Guns N' Roses bass player, going on tour this summer uh, for taking the time to call us uh, every week with another classic Duff McKagan joke of the week. So uh, you can do the same thing. Why don't you tweet your bad jokes to at Talk is Jericho, and let's see if you can top Duff. And if they're really bad, maybe I'll have Duff uh, read them on the air to you. All right, so Kyle O'Reilly is on the show today, NXT's hottest, newest prospect, who's been in the business for about 10 years. Uh, he's not telling any bad jokes, even though he is an alumni of the original Talk and Shop, started by my boys uh, Gallows and Anderson in Japan. But Kyle is telling some great wrestling stories, and you hear all about how he went from being Ring of Honor world champion to signing with NXT and moving to Orlando, where he lives and works. Now, he's also talking about the ROH Red Dragon tam- tag team he had with Bobby Fish, and how he and Bobby and Adam Cole are now a faction in NXT. Kyle spent a lot of time wrestling in Japan as well, and in the UK. He'll talk about his experiences overseas on the indie scene worldwide, uh, and he'll also talk about being a type 1 diabetic, which uh, hits home uh, for me. And you also have one day left to support uh, diabetes, the fight against diabetes, uh, if you go to represent.com slash Fozzie and pick up the brand new Fozzie t-shirt or hoodie, Portions of the proceeds will go towards fighting diabetes, uh, and it's a very, very worthy cause. Kyle knows all about that. Uh, and speaking of uh, Kyle and talking about the overseas, that's where I am right now. Fozzie is wrapping up this leg of the Judas Rising European Tour. We're in Hamburg, Germany tonight, uh, which is Friday, and then Genk, Belgium tomorrow on Saturday. Then we're headed back home to the States, but we'll be back in Europe in January. We're going over with Steel Panther, the tour that uh, has been waiting to happen ever since we rocked Australia together. Those dates start up January 28th in Paris. Uh, Gay Paris. Uh, com has all the details and ticket info and VIP info. We had a great VIP uh, private mini concert yesterday. We played Judas. 
drinking with Jesus, uh, breaking the law, cold gin, and spider in my mouth. So uh, the people got a chance to hear those songs, some that we play uh, later on that night in, in concert, some that we don't. So it's been really cool. It's a great way to come hang out with Fozzie uh, and get something extra, extra special. You can get all information about Fozzie VIPs and on the Steel Panther uh, Fozzie Tour and on the show that we're doing December 2nd in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, tickets, uh, sorry, toys for tickets. Uh, you bring a toy and you get a ticket. So go to FozzieRock.com if you live in the Springfield area and get all that information uh, and everything is going very, very cool for Fozzie right now. Judas, number five on Billboard, uh, number five on U.S. rock radio, and we're still going higher. Judas is not done yet, uh, and it's not done here on Talk is Jericho because we're going to listen to it right now. Here's Judas, top five single from Fozzie. Personified, and I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away. I'm cold like December snow. I have carved out this soul made of stone, and I will drag you down and sell you out. Embrace by the Losing the light Encircled by demons I fight 
Judas top five this week on Billboard's main uh, mainstream rock charts and on uh, Active Rock Radio. And the Judas video is almost at 11 million views, which is just crazy. I, I can't keep track of it anymore. Uh, thanks to all of you guys who have checked out that song, all you guys who have bought the Judas album and are telling me how much you love Painless and Drinking with Jesus and Burn Me Out, etc., etc. So get that album now. Uh, and we filmed the Judas video in Smyrna, Georgia at DDP Yoga Performance Center run by Diamond Dallas Page. And Dallas is bringing DDP Yoga as well to the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. He's going to host live DDP Yoga workshops. And don't kid yourself, it is a workout and it saved my career. You know that. It's fun. It's low impact. It's easy on your joints. Uh, if you've already reserved your cabin at ChrisJerichoCruise.com, then be sure to check out one of Dallas's workshops on board. And if you haven't booked a spot on the cruise, well, what the hell are you waiting for? Tom is Jericho. So you did a couple uh, of uh, talking shops yeah. with Gallows and Anderson. Oh my God! Did you when you were in Japan with them? Those guys are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let me tell, let me ask you. I'm here with uh, Kyle O'Reilly and WWE version of Talking Shop. Well, tell me what the Japanese version of it was for you. More or less, kind of the same thing. You know, some good brothers in a hotel room late after a wrestling show, feeling good, talking shop, but uh, maybe a couple extra cold ones and maybe right. the WWE version. Wasn't Gallows a little bit crazier? Oh, though? yeah, yeah. Gallows Wasn't it like Sex Ferguson? Sex Ferguson. Um, what was – he had like a game show. It was how long you can jack it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. You know, those two guys, man, when they first came over, like I didn't really know them. I knew Gallows when he was first in uh, WWE as like uh, – before he was Gallows, like the Festus thing and all that stuff. Yeah. And then even when he was Gallows with, with Punk. And I, I never really knew him. But, and I never met Carl. But those two guys are so ridiculous. Hilarious. So funny, yeah. And their character is on um, the South Side. South Paul South Wrestling. Wrestling yeah. is spot on. It's just the exact characters that they... <laughs> yeah. Wearing the Ribera jackets Amazing. and stuff. But we're here in Orlando. Uh, I appreciate it. We were supposed to get together before the signing I had. And the traffic was bad. Because Orlando is nothing but traffic. And rain and old yep. people and tourists. Yep. That's what I've noticed. Nothing against the fine people of Orlando, but you just moved here. I did. I uh, moved here from St. Louis, and you know I'm loving it so far. It's humid, but uh, like you said, the traffic gets you a little bit. I've never lived in a city that had so much traffic before. You know, I spent a little time in L.A. and it, you just want to rip your hair out. I, mm -hmm. I could never live there right. in that kind of traffic. But um, I was like, oh, is Orlando going to be that bad? It's not that bad. Well, you know, when you get to you, here's the thing: it's going out to the airport, that road, it's like a one lane highway getting out to the airport. That gets pretty packed. Uh, yeah, it's great. pretty packed. Yeah, Looking yeah. That. <laughs> are, you, are, are, you, are you married with a girl? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Me and my wife, we moved to Oviedo, uh, so a bit north of the city. Nice little yeah, kind yeah, of nice suburban area. area so. Yeah, when I was here, it was all just tourists, old people, and strippers. Just tons of strip clubs around. Nice. You know, yeah, well, yeah. And I lost and a lot lots of, of wrestlers now. <laughs> yeah, PC right, right, right. So this is an interesting story because you kind of were um, rumored to be coming mm -hmm. for, jeez, I don't know, six months or so. Sure. And then just kind of went into limbo until just recently when you finally appeared in NXT. Right. Was there, was it kind of like just waiting or what happened? You know, it's, I don't know if I'll ever know the truth of the matter of what actually went down, but I had originally talked to the powers that be about coming in right at the start of January. So I was talking in December. I had just won the Ring of Honor World Championship and I, this offer comes and I'm like, if I don't jump on this, you know, I could never live with myself. I have to take this. It's, it's, 
it's a gamble, but I don't know if this opportunity is ever going to come this way again. Because your so. contract was about up for Ring of Honor? contract was about yeah. up. The timing was great. But I'm thinking because I was talking while under contract, that might have mm. bit me in the ass a little bit. So um, I dropped the title at the Tokyo Dome January 4th. I give New Japan my notice. And um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to start on NXT in the, the weekend of the Royal Rumble. And um, I got a call like a couple days out from that saying, listen, we can't talk for a couple of months, like rate complete radio silence. And I'm like, Oh no, what has happened? Like something you could have told me yesterday. Uh, so bad. But, um, you know, I remained optimistic. I knew that, um, if I just kept doing my thing, that the deal would still be there on the table if, and when the, the timing worked out. So I just, um, you know, decided to kind of go back to the Indies and, um, work for a couple groups that I hadn't worked for in a while. And, and, take some more matches overseas in England and whatnot and uh, I had a ton of fun and you know just kind of it'd been so long since I'd really been an indie guy because I'd been doing Ring of Honor in New Japan for a few years so I was kind of locked up I Mm -hmm. didn't really have a chance to make my own schedule again so kind of jumped on that opportunity and also took a little bit of time off give my body a bit of a break and kind of recharge the batteries because you know if this WWE thing is going to happen I want to be ready to go 100% and prepare myself mentally and physically for it. Is it, you had one of those uh, kind of this is one thing I love about the indies now, or just not not even the indies not being in WWE. Is there's a lot of guys who have this Ring of Honor New Japan kind of a, it's a pretty good deal. Sure, you know it's almost like there's guys like like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks that don't even really want to come to WWE just yet. It's crazy. It seems like now is almost the best time there's ever been to just be a strictly independent wrestler. Guys are making great livings outside of WWE and mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I'm not sure if there was really ever a time where it was that good for the boys where it comes to their own merchandise right. and things like that. Guys are doing really well for themselves so mm-hmm. it's nice to have that option. Mm-hmm. So when, when you got the uh, did, had you put any feelers out to WWE or they just kind of called you? Did they, were they paying attention about your contract? or did I you... assume they must have known because mm-hmm. they kind of they cold called me like that weekend and I was like, listen, you know, I'm Ring of Honor champion. And he's like, well, yeah, I know, but is there something you can do about that? I was like, oh, well, <laughs> well uh, I guess. Yeah. It's just not in Canada. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, because you're Canadian. Right. Right. And you're from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Actually, Vancouver proper? Uh, suburb of Vancouver, but, North Delta, BC. Okay. I used yeah. to live in Vancouver, right downtown um, uh, Denman and Davie. Nice. Which is a lot of home, home of like a lot of uh, 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 guys that don't like girls, shall we I, say. I worked on Davie at the Fitness World, so I know all too well. Uh, <laughs> There's like a lot a of gay guys. Yes. And I didn't know guys. at the time, so I get hired to work in this gym, and I'm like, this clientele is really into me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are really friendly. I didn't know either, and I live right in an apartment down there with actually with Dr. Luther. We live down there. Mm. And I remember we were going grocery shopping one night. It was really late. You know, typical bachelors just go grocery shopping at midnight or something. And we're walking down Denman or Davie, whichever the longer yeah. street was. And the payphone rings. Remember those kids, payphones? And I was like, you know, I'm going to be a smart ass and answer the phone. Like, hey, what's up? And the guy's like, hey, what are you doing? I go, nothing. He goes, I like that red shirt you're wearing. I'm like, look no. down, I'm wearing a red shirt. I'm like, he goes, look up. And I look up, and there's a guy in the window. And he goes, I'll pay you $100 to come up and box with me. And I was like, and I was like, no. So I guess that was the pickup phone. If you pick up this phone, you're ready for business. And that's so, what I was, yeah. did you kick his ass then? Or? Well, yeah, well, I made the 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we felt each other for a nice. while. No, but it's just like that just was the area. So when you grew up in Vancouver, did you grow up as a wrestling fan? Oh, of course. Yeah. I don't think you can pursue a job in this business mm-hmm. to this degree unless you are just in love with the business and just a fan and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so thirsty for it. I, I don't think you can pick up and, and move 
your entire life on a whim with you know sure but vancouver's never been a big big wwe town at least at least for my generation maybe it was like in the 90s but never never since i came to the wwe the first show i went to was wwf rock bottom in your house 1998 wow and uh yeah, that, I just remember everything about it. Just walking in the arena with my dad and the smell of it, and getting a DX T-shirt and like putting it on. The, I can remember the feeling of it and walking up the stairs and looking at the ring and just it just it. I don't know. It just creates an emotional response for me just even remembering it. And I knew then, like you know, as as you did, I'm sure there was a, a moment where you knew this is what you were going to do and this yeah, is what you're going to sure. pursue. You know, I think we all have that moment. The, the difference for me was coming in and uh, being like maybe 10 years younger, or you're 10 years younger than me, maybe more. When I wanted to get in, there was no real way to know how. Right. Like there was no internet. I remember I watched Stampede Wrestling and they flashed an ad on the screen, which I had to write down. So when you want to get started, where did you go? There is a local wrestling promotion called ECCW mm. in um they were based in Surrey, and they ran the greater Vancouver area. Is that Michelle Starr? Michelle Starr's promotion. He's the guy who broke me in. So, um, wow, really? Yeah. I, uh, I, I started going to shows maybe in, to, in the 2000, early 2000s, and um, was just a loyal indie fan for them. You know, That was kind of the only independent group I really knew about or definitely cared about. And then uh, once I graduated from high school in 05, I was like, sign me up. And uh, you know, instead of pursuing a real education, I you know, convinced my mom that this was the best option for me. And yeah. of course she, she had her and my friend and his mom had to meet with Michelle Starr in the subway down at Bridgeview Hall and ask all these questions about, well, do you have a, do you have a paramedic at every show? He's like, well, no. Well, maybe you should. Thank you. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Mom, I was like, oh God, so bad. But, uh, by the way, I just have to interject. I was like, yeah, 10 years younger, maybe how about 17 years younger. Yeah. Sometimes I forget how old I oh, so, no. so but michelle starless is like i worked a few times out there in my earlier days and he had the old it was kind of like a adrian adonis uh yeah Ad, uh, uh gorgeous george gorgeous type. george yeah adrian street like kind of sure. the, you know big painted star and the super feather boa the blonde, blonde. De- like, they destroyed straw hair yeah does he still have that uh, I think he just promotes now. He doesn't, okay. he doesn't, he doesn't really work. Do it anymore. So I don't know if he, his hair is quite the same. But uh, Who else was out there, like kind of the local guys? One of the first shows I went to, um, Brett Como was working. Como! Yeah. So Black Dragon versus Christopher Daniels was the main event. No kidding. And uh, I was like, wow, this is nuts. Like, I'd never Did, seen... So is Como, does he have like a little bit of a name there? Like, so that's Como. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And he, he's a bit of like, you know, a local a legend. Local legend. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, for sure. And he's, so, he still takes shots, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's working, like, I think in the Okanagan, there's some groups that he, he works for now and again. And Como, got to work Como's a, a guy times. that um, uh, we trained with, just for people that don't know, in Calgary. He'd mm-hmm. been working for a few years. And I remember I was super upset when my very first match, the promoter wanted me, me to be Cowboy Chris Jericho. And I was so, like, I, I hate cowboys. I hate country music. So I called Como, like, this is what they want me to do. They want me to be Cowboy Chris Jericho. Just don't do it. And I was like, really? I have a choice? Yeah, I do have a choice. Just don't do it. And that's Como kind of taught me those type of parts yeah. of the business. I had to be the rebel, sure. you know what I mean? So he was still up there as, as uh, the Black Dragon. The Black Dragon, man. Shooting Star Press. He's, yeah. he's still nailing it. So, uh there's a good group of guys, and it's there's tons of talent and um, a lot of hardworking people and a lot of loyal fans. But for me, in order to really make a dent in this thing, I had to go where the opportunities were. There was just, you know, I was wrestling maybe two times to three times a month up there, and I'm making odd trips over to Alberta or Washington and Oregon here and there. But really, like 
if I just wrestled there, nobody's really watching any, sending in for any ECCW tapes. No one's going to notice me. That so is I, true. I really kind of just had to take the plunge and go where there there's going to be an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of what I had to do. Were the Singh brothers there at the same yeah, time? The Sing, yeah, I broke in with Gurv and Harv as well. Yeah, Those guys were everywhere. I used to say, I'd be in Toronto. They'd show up for a tryout. Or I'd see them in, like, you know, in Winnipeg. Like, they were always hustling. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, too, because you see them, and they were like, you know, they're smaller guys. And I always thought, you know, like they, they never give up, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, sure. sooner or later. And then here they are now in the main event program. Just you just never know, right? I know. So where did you go from Vancouver then to get the opportunities? Um, for me, I really wanted to follow this path of, you know, being a big star in the Indies and going to Japan. Like, that's kind of the path I wanted to go. Like, a lot of guys who were doing that path were starting to, to pop up in WWE. So I was like, they're not going to pick me just for my size or for my look or anything like that. Like, if I, if I really grind and put my nose down and, and work hard at this, maybe I'll get picked up eventually. So I, I had um, two friends living in St. Louis, Davey Richards and Tony Kazina, and they gave me the option, you know, we got a couch, you can come out here and try and get your foot in the door with Ring of Honor. So I loaded up my car and, and drove, you know, the 30 hours to St. Louis. And so how did you get over the border? I said I was just going to do some uh, MMA training at Matt Hughes' school in uh, St. Louis. And so and I went for the because you can only go for three months. Then you had to go back to Canada for three months. So after the three months was up, I was like, all right, well, Vancouver Olympics are on. I'll go home for the Olympics and then I'll come right back. And so I did that back and forth thing for a little while and it just got so shady man if i just got the wrong guard having the wrong day would google my like i was a nobody at the time so i was felt pretty safe but is your real name kyle o'reilly no okay it's kyle greenwood and um so i was kind of lucky in that regard but all all it takes is just you know to look into me a little further and then there's my career down the toilet canada border is hard it's tough it's harder to get across the canadian border than it is to go to europe sure even to this day it is you know especially with the guys where they want to check your car i remember one time when i was moving down uh, in 96 from Calgary to WCW when I started down to here to Orlando yeah. they wouldn't let me take my car across the border because it didn't have the proper papers from General Motors or some stupid thing like that yeah. you know the, the guy you know the guy just I don't think he really knew what to do so I had to stay there for like an extra two days right. you know so so when you finally started going back and forth how did you end up staying for good I had to go back and forth because I would run out of money in the states mm-hmm. and I couldn't really work I wasn't making enough wrestling um, eventually I'd get hired by like a, my landlord just doing some maintenance and stuff he tossed me some cash under the table which is super cool of him um but eventually it was just not worth the risk anymore to keep doing the border so i just you know i'm just gonna stay in st louis and i did like the illegal alien thing for a good two and a half years <laughs> and just just hit under the radar man but isn't like, that terrifying like if you get pulled over for like a parking ticket oh yeah, i had illegal bc plates for years wow yeah. <laughs> and obviously not a not an american driver's license correct yeah so was there ever any close calls or anything like that um to be honest not really i really was lucky like i, I sometimes i feel like the universe is really looking out for me and really kind of wants me to make this wrestling thing happen because <laughs> i've had a lot of luck uh to come this far for sure but i'd also met my wife at that time who was my girlfriend at the time so that was also a reason to kind of stay there and didn't want to risk you know, going back and being banned for five years. Did you ever so, uh, like uh, say like, "Did you really? Are you really into me? Or are you just trying to use me to get that uh, green card?" Right. <laughs> well, she was sweet enough to go to the courthouse and, and get married, so I could get the green card a little sooner than later. So, <laughs> but that is pretty crazy when you yeah. think about it, man. Plus, it's, it's a good way to, to not have to drive sure. on any road trips. Like, dudes, I can't drive. I, I know have a license. And the first the first booking I got in the UK. I was flying back into the States and I was like, oh my God, because I hadn't left in a while. And I was right. like, oh, I'm going to get booked in the UK. I have to take this. Like, how sure. can I not take sure, it? Sure, sure, sure. And then uh, I was coming back and um, 
just, you know, well, I haven't got my flight back to Vancouver yet. I'm just staying in Atlanta for a couple of days, you know, while I buy my flight. And, like, somehow it just worked and they just let me cross. But, oh, man. Like that, how nerve-wracking is so that? So nerve-wracking. I used to just sweat for days. If I go oh. home to, like, you know, work for a couple of shifts at the old restaurant or whatever, see my parents, and then, like, I know I was leaving on Monday and it was the Thursday, I would, like, the jitters would start then. Like, I was like, oh, i got to hit the border in a couple of days. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember even going to Mexico yeah. um, without a visa when I first started going. And Mexico has a like a stoplight when you come in. You have to press red or you press it. And if it's green, you go through. I'm sure you've been there. It's red, you stop. And it's one out of 40 is the red. And I was always ready, like, what's all this wrestling gear? And they always said, just say you're going for an exhibition. Yeah. You're just going for an exhibition. Or to like, train. To train, yeah. right? But just, it's so stressful, man. Sure. You know, even even when you have papers, yeah. it's stressful. It really is. You know? So, so St. Louis was your base, and then finally you, you – you... Yeah, a year after kind of showing up at all their ROH shows and helping out and working the odd dark match, they you know offered me a, a deal. And um, I was like, whoa, this is a wrestling contract? I'm going to sign a piece of paper to wrestle? This is sweet. And uh, so I was like a loyal to ROH guy and working independence, of course. It wasn't an exclusive thing at that time yet. And um, – yeah, I just worked ROH for a few years and, and busted my ass and tried to be the best pro wrestler I could possibly be. But when you went to ROH, did they give you? Did they help you get like the proper work visa? Still under the table. And anyone from INS listening to this, <laughs> let it be known that if you get a green card, everything is forgiven. All the working <laughs> yeah, illegally, right. all that. <laughs> and this is talk as you're with Lyle O'Malley, by <laughs> yeah. the way. It's just so weird because it's not like I'm taking people. I was just some kid from Canada trying to chase his pro wrestling. Well, sure, 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 sure. But that that was, that's just that's one thing that. I, that I was very lucky with is I was born in the States, but yeah. I, you know, I, I was a dual citizen, so I could never had to worry about that. That's but right. there was guys all the time, you know, that would cross or, you know, you'd go to Japan and you'd see the people waiting in the room that meant they'd have to go back right away. <sighs> but when you first start out, like the first time I went to Japan, I didn't have a work visa. Wow. You know, nothing. In Japan's, that's hard. Like that's they play time. by the rules. Big time. Rules are rules yeah. in Japan. You know, what'd you think when you first started going to Japan? I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Wrestling in Japan was always, I think my biggest goal. And for so long, like when I'd first left BC, I was like, I'm ready for Japan. I was nowhere near ready for Japan. It yeah, would be yeah. a long time before I was close to that level. But in uh, 2013, I, me and Bobby fish finally got the call from new Japan to go over there and start tagging. And it was unlike any other experience. Just there's nothing like being in, in a Japanese ring and just you it just feels so different than anywhere else in the world to wrestle and it's the in fan what way just it just feels like legitimate it just feels like you know they treat it like it's a real sport but it also feels like a real sport when you're out there and, and the fans they just treat you with such high regard and they take care of you and there's people waiting at the hotel after with when you're getting off the bus and everything and it's just and the food and the culture and everyone's so friendly and accommodating and it's just so clean and uh, I absolutely love that country See, it, it, I'm the same way, and that's where you can tell that you really respect like the whole scene of Japan, and and and, and like you said, wrestling almost being a, a legit sport there, mm -hmm. to where you know people are quiet because they're watching. Right, they're watching what you're doing when you're in the ring. You know, there's no beach ball mania or you know, you know, stupid chants. It's just yeah. the respect of like watching the holds, and if you do a nip up, they'll clap, sure. and that sort of thing. You know, yeah, a clean break is like a huge pop. Like, <laughs> I mean, not a clean break is boo yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, I also just love the name Bobby Fish. Sure. Like, what a great name. Right? That's his legit name, too. Fish. <laughs> yeah. The last name is Fish, Bobby Fish. His his father is all, is named 
Richard Fish, Dick Fish. <laughs> True story. How, how did you uh, get hooked up with him? Um, we, we worked each other. First time, first time I met him was at Harley Race's camp in 2007. He kicked the shit out of me in front of like all the scouts from everywhere. Um, so that was a good learning experience. Thanks, but uh, we would meet him. We would meet again in Ring of Honor, and I think in 2012, and they just you know stuck us as a tag team. We instantly clicked, and um, you know I was starting to get a lot more comfortable. Uh, with interviews and promos because we'd kind of you know just try and start out make each other laugh and it worked when it worked for us um it kind of helped me get out of my shell and we clicked as a tag team and um really hit it off as friends too and then started going to japan and traveling together a lot more and so you know red dragon was born and and it was it was awesome that's right that's the name of your team is red yeah dragon, red dragon right? all one word yes sir yeah like uh the uh, hannibal lecter novel red yeah. Dragon. yeah 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 all right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita, so having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key, and learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. Did you, um, when you went to Japan, were you working with any of the Japanese guys or, or other gaijin? Or? Yeah, uh, our debut was uh, like the finals of the G1 in, in, I think, 2013 against Kushida and Alex Shelley, so a foreigner and a, guy, mm-hmm. and a Japanese guy. But yeah, we worked with tons of, we were, got to work like countless tours with like a couple of the young boys, Kamatsu and Tanaka, like with, you know, the young boy system. I'm not sure if you've explained it on the show, but it's like, it's That's a mate. It, well, so the young boy system, it starts with you begin in the dojo and you can't leave the dojo for a year until they say, you know, you're allowed to leave the dojo and you're cooking and you're cleaning every day and you have your senpais, you're carrying the bags for them and everything. And um, when you finally are allowed to work shows, you nothing but black trunks and black boots and very basic moveset, hip toss and dropkick and fire. And that's the key because they work so hard on their selling and their emotion and their fire. By the time they're allowed to create their own moveset and, and create their own identities, they're already so freaking good. And just getting to work with these guys night in, night out and just basic, easy matches, but just with them selling and showing fire, we... we I, we were creating magic with these guys and like oh man when they get back from their excursion in the states and mexico like they're going to be mad stars because that's how they do it they'll send the company will send them to ring of honor or cmll mexico yeah. for six months a year and when they come back they've graduated to the next for sure level. it's a big boy level right mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you say that because 
you know, it always makes me laugh when you hear, and I'm, just, I'm probably don't really know wrestling if you say this, but oh, Japan is all high spots and there's no real selling and there's no real psychology, which is absolute bullshit. Right. You know, because like you said, it's all about the fire and the selling there. Yeah. The greats of all time. Sure. From Tenru to Choshu to Chono and Muda, they're all great sellers. Amazing sellers. You know, and then all the workouts they have to do in the ring before. Yeah. They still do the tire exercise. Yeah, the bridging over the tire. Dude, Liger still does like 500 squats before the show every show. Wow. Benching. Just, he works at Eugene Nagata and Liger work out harder than anyone on that roster. And they're man. like 50. Yeah. More it's, so. it's so motivating and so inspiring. Just being on the ring apron for those multi-man tags and the little far, farm towns of those guys. It's like you just pick up so much and learn so much just watching them. Did you work ever the Super Junior tournament? Yeah, I did okay. the uh, best of the Super Juniors. Um, I wrestled Kushida in the finals of the Super Juniors in oh. 2015. And oh, nice. That's probably, you know, probably the match that I'm most known for, I, I think, at this point. It was a pretty... Was breakthrough match? Definitely. Definitely a huge breakthrough match. And just a moment for me just to be a part of such a prestigious tournament, you know? And like, right. think of the guys that have... have competed in that tournament over the years it's me exactly <laughs> yeah it's exactly so it's, and of course you won i did i did not i did the, did the job <laughs> what? What? <laughs> but, but the, the super the, the, the best of super junior tournament is a three-week tour and they usually bring in i'd say maybe it's 16 or maybe it's 12 whatever the best junior guys mm-hmm. and the tournaments over there are, are fairly grueling because it's pretty much they are they doing six matches a week five matches a week every Something night like that. And it's very rare to get a day off. And when you're in the best of Super Junior, it's like being in the G1. You're expected to have, you know, a oh, good yeah. to great match every night, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, hundred percent. And it, and the nights that you don't have a singles match, you have a tag match, and you still have to work hard. Mm-hmm. You still have to go. Mm-hmm. Who was doing really good over there when you were there? Um, as far as juniors go, either juniors, man, just that the whole roster there is just unbelievable. Um, the Super Junior tournament, I. I did. Uh, you know, Bobby was in it. Um, Kushida, um, Ricochet, uh, you know, Tiger Mask, Liger. They're still in it, doing it after right. X amount of years of being in the business. Um, it's just a who's who of, of some of the best junior heavyweights in the world, and and then you know the heavyweight scene there is just top notch as well. And you know, just being in that locker room, man, it feels very prestigious and it's certainly honorable. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And like this is a lot of depth there at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and, and same thing like in England as well, in the UK. Oh, unreal. What, what was your thoughts about going over there? I love going there. Like, the whole scene is just on fire right now. There's a lot of great companies and a lot of hardworking guys. And the fans are showing up in droves and they're buying merch. It's like... The indie scene in the UK seems to be hotter than the the United States indie scene right now mm-hmm. by far. Yeah, oh yeah, and for sure. like as far as quality goes, there's no comparison. Like there's just so many great guys. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a huge tournament this weekend that they do every year, the Battle of Los Angeles out in, uh, so for PWG. PWG. Yeah, and you know I think like half the freaking. There's tons of England English guys out for that, and and New Zealand guys, and just it's it's awesome to see guys. You know, it used to be the U.S. and Canadian guys were the ones who'd go overseas and get booked and everything, but now it's kind of switching, and now a lot of those guys are coming over to the U.S. for indie shows. So it's it's cool to see that change. Let's talk about some of the culture shocks. It was some of the things you noticed in Japan that just kind of blew your mind as far as the culture, food or situations or TV shows. Or <laughs> we, there's this one guy uh, every morning at breakfast at the Dome Hotel. He'll be there, and he has his like camera you know the old school camera with the flash and whatever and then he'll take his he's got the gnarliest fingernails like black gross <laughs> fingernails and he takes your picture and then he gives it to you and then you sign it and give it back to him i don't know if he's gonna sell it somewhere or whatever 
So he's there all the time without fail. And then uh, one of the sponsors takes us, <laughs> takes us to Ribera one night. We're having our Ribera steak, whatever. And who's behind the counter? Lo and behold, a fingernails. <laughs> So I guess that's the secret to the, the good seasoning of the Yokozuna steak at Rivera. I like how his name is Fingernails. Is that something other words as a mask? Is it? Uh, the mask guy was there too. Okay, because there's a guy that works. Yeah. So Rivera's the famous steakhouse in Japan. Everybody knows about it. Uh, and when you go there, the, one of the cooks wears an actual lucha yeah. mask. I just want to. He's like the son, the son of the original owner. Or well, the, the, maybe he's the, the guy who runs the place is the son of the owner. Oh, maybe that's. And I'm, I don't know what the guy with the lucha mask is. I just want to punch him. I just like it. Just yeah. bugs me that he has the lucha mask sure. when he's cooking the steak. So fingernails is back there fingernails too. Fingernails is back there. Yeah, yeah. And, and do, they don't even bother giving you Rivera jackets anymore. I, I was lucky. Enough to get one. Is so. it a real one or is it one that has the the gym from Minnesota on the it back? Was of it was the gym from Minnesota, and some of the letters seem to be uh, peeling off. But I'm going to take it, and <laughs> I'm, that's my Ribera jacket. I'm proud of it. You mentioned Tex Ferguson earlier with Gallows yeah. wearing the Ribera jacket because it's like this kind of rayon satin jacket, and you would never wear it under any. Of, it's like a disco no. jacket from the '70s. Sure. But because it's Ribera. Every wrestler wants one. Yeah. Right? Of course. And they used to just give you like official Ribera jackets that were like, you know, whatever. But now they must have bought like, you know, 7,000 of these old ones from, (laughs) says the gym from like, you know, Eastern Park, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And then they just stuck the Ribera logo in the front of it. Did you ever get the Zubas? I never, I never got Uh, a Zubas. I was never that good. And the one that Eddie Guerrero had that pissed me off that I never got was they had written his name on the back of it in uh, in Katakana characters. Oh, and I was like, man, how high up the food chain do I have to go to yeah. get my damn, you know, I don't want the gym on the back. I want it to say, you know, Jericho on the back. It's cool going there and just looking at the walls and seeing like just a who's who of names in the business who've yeah. been there and got their picture taken. It's pretty I cool. think that if they know you're in town and they hear that you're coming, they'll put your picture up. Oh, really? And they'll take it down when you leave. <laughs> you know, you just go, huh? But there are some classic ones. There's sure. a great one. if you've, I'm sure you've seen it with... Eddie and Chris and Benoit has Eddie in a a headlock or Mm -hmm. something along those lines, you know. Um, How about England? Some weird stuff over there. Um, England, I got to spend a lot of time growing up there, actually. My mom's Scottish, so, um, you know, we we have a lot of family over there, so going and visiting cousins. So it wasn't too far from, the culture wasn't much of a shock for me going over there, but. Didn't have any uh, black pudding? Oh, I can't stand the black pudding. I love an English fry-up. Like, the breakfast is to die for. I'll eat that all day, but... The, the, the eggs? The eggs, yeah. The, the eggs are fine. Sausages are great. Sure. Even the fried tomatoes I'll, I'll eat. Uh, get those nasty mushrooms away, though, and the black bad. pudding I'm not going to touch. So black pudding is uh, basically cooked, dried blood. Right. I mean, that's just, like, so gross. So gross. Like, can I have some dried blood? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Or the fried toast? Like, why do you have to deep fry the toast? <laughs> Toaster works great. <laughs> So when did you finally start to make the jump from from uh, junior head, like you mentioned, becoming the Ring of Honor champion? Because mm-hmm. that's a big deal, man. Like sure. Ring of Honor, in a lot of ways, is the second biggest company in the states yeah. and third in the world behind uh, b- behind uh, New Japan. I'd say at this absolutely, point. yeah. It was, it was a huge honor, pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the champion at the time was Adam Cole, who's been a longtime professional rival of mine, and you know, longtime personal friend as well. We've uh, had a lot of matches together as a team and as sworn enemies of the blood for many years and uh we you know a feud had been brewing between us for you know a number of months and it finally came to this big match at the hammerstein uh final battle last year and um you know for them for the office to have that much faith in me to be their champion and for the fans to accept it as well and for the boys to accept it like it was you know it was a huge moment in my career man like that was a i think about 
getting in my car and driving out those 30 hours and making all those road trips and sleeping in my car and it was like you know i was doing that like you know i don't want to sound like oh you know for the for the belt and stuff like that but like that is a it's a big moment absolutely man anybody who says that winning a title is like oh it's for marks yeah you're stupid yeah right because you know it, it it doesn't mean everything, but it's it's nice to know that they, the company has that much stock in you and faith in you. So, I always equate it as it's like winning an Oscar. Sure, you know it's like somebody is deciding to give it to you. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more of a voting process, but there's a voting process to to make you the champion too. It's like the whoever is working in the booking, and then there's also the guys who's running the promotion, the money men, all these other guys. If someone has a problem with Kyle O'Reilly being the champion, mm-hmm. you're not going to get it. So it is a real honor. To it's get a really it. good way to put it, actually. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've always I've always thought that it's like a pat on the back for 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 doing a good job. Yeah. But once you get it, now you have to you know live up to your end of the bargain. Sure. Which which yeah. didn't last long. I think I'm the shortest <laughs> reigning ROH champion of all time. But that's okay. Who did you you lost at the Tokyo Dome to who? Adam Cole again. Yeah. Oh, okay, drop it back. Yeah. But did you win it knowing that you were already talking with WWE? No, I I talked with WWE like that weekend right after. So it was like. Okay. Right. Right. right, right. Uh, so you know, I got to do what's best for business here and what's best for my career. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was in WCW, um, I didn't sign a contract for 17 months. I don't know why they didn't come after me, but I just, it was so disorganized. I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I remember uh, somehow it came up with Terry Taylor. They're going to put the I think it was the cruiserweight title, maybe TV. On, and I was like, you know, I don't even have a contract. He said, don't say a word about that to anybody. He said, get the title first, and then once you once you get the strap. Once you get the Striz app, yeah. then you worry about your contract issues. And it's like, you know, that's the way to do it. Get that title yeah. no matter what the future is holding for you. Well, then, you know, yeah, the ball's in your court then too, Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So what was it like working in the Tokyo Dome? Oh, unreal. Like just the whole production of it and just the size of it. It's unlike anything mm-hmm. I've ever experienced. Lucky enough for me, it was actually my, my third time working the Dome. Really? First, first singles match. But uh, just a huge facility. Like you, the locker room is back um, – behind home plate area i guess where the, t- the team play or team gets dressed and then your match is coming up all right so you get in a little van and they take you outside and you go through the airlocks to keep the dome inflated and you drive around the block and, <laughs> and then they load you in the back and you walk up and they put you in, like they are they live and die by kayfabe there like you, they put you in like a special locker room because there's security there you're not allowed to see or talk to your opponent again until you see them in the ring like mm. Like it's pretty, it's cool, man. It's intense, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, how how was the reception for a Ring of Honor title in a New Japan Tokyo Dome show with two foreign guys? Were the people into it, or were they kind of just watching, or how was it for you guys? I'm sure the 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 lineup for the bathroom might have been picking up then, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you this, know, is, this is called popcorn match. Right? It's hard. For, <laughs> <laughs> popcorn match. You want a souvenir? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's hard for them to really get into a feud that's been built in the U.S. that has, doesn't really have any merit, right, you know, right, right, in New Japan. But they under, you know, it's still it's a dome show, it's Wrestle Kingdom, it's a title match. So I'm just, you know, the hardcores are still still into it, and I thought we had a good match. So I, you know, they it's were a still... big deal to be on that show under those circumstances. That just shows mm-hmm. how good of a relationship Ring of Honor Absolutely. has with, uh, with New Japan to do that. Yeah, when you do that, I mean, obviously the match is probably booked by. Art Ring of Honor. It's not New Japan guys deciding right. what's going on. Right. What about if you work like Ring of Honor versus, like you mentioned, if you go over there and work with, if it's you and Bobby Fish versus uh, Shelly and Kushida? I think that's like, all New Japan. New Japan guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I think, like, for, I think it doesn't really go two ways. Like, if, say, Okada or Tanahashi come over, 
I think that like for them to do right. certain work creates like a lot of headache. Like I think even a TV saw he has to sign off on stuff and like yeah, he even yeah. goes above the booking realm to mm-hmm. to a degree. So it's a let's, bit different. Let's talk. I, I want to talk about your NXT debut and all that stuff, but, but I want to also get into the the reason how you and I connected. Right, was that you are a type one diabetic. Sure. And when my son was diagnosed, and now my daughter's been diagnosed as well. I don't know if I told you that. You did. Too. Yeah. Right. It sucks. And uh, Kevin Owens said, "Well, Kyle O'Reilly has it." It was real in- inspirational because you don't really know. Like everyone knows what diabetes kind of is, but you don't really know what it is mm-hmm. until it affects you seriously. Sure. So I called you to kind of get some advice, and you kind of gave me some some ideas and some some stuff. So how how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was eighteen, so I was a little bit older than mm-hmm. uh, for to get. Yeah, juvenile 13, diabetes, right? right? That seems yeah. to be the typical age. But got, people are getting diagnosed later and later in life, and it seems to be a bit of an ap- epidemic right now. I met uh, uh, the drummer from Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. Audio Slave. Yep. His name is Brad Wilk. And we were hanging out in England. I just met him, and I gave, I, I gave him like, – it was my dress room for this show that we were doing. I asked him if we wanted some, some, some drink. He had a shot of vodka, and we're hanging out. Then he pulls out the needle and shoots. He goes, I'm not a heroin addict. It's insulin. I said, yeah. Anyways, he found out he had diabetes when he was 31. Wow. And his sister found out six months later and his brother found out three months later. Wow. All in their 30s. That's so weird. like you said, it's some kind of a weird epidemic at this point. Some weird autoimmune disease that seems to be affecting a lot of people. Um, but you know what? I was 18. I'm a grown-ass man. I'm, I'm lucky I got it at that age. You know, mm-hmm. you think of like Ash, 13 years old. You know, kids get diagnosed at birth. Like right. I shudder to think like, you know, some of these kids – their whole childhoods are they're taking insulin and checking their blood sugar five six times a day you know what what excuse do i have to complain about that or to give up mm. with giving diabetes when there's there's people all over the world who are suffering suffering much greater consequences from it and so. let's let's explain kind of what it is i kind of want to give a little education because yeah. we both obviously know now and i and the diabetes is explain um well it's a, a a disease where your pancreas basically stops producing insulin. And um, so there's two types of diabetes. There's type 1 and type 2. A lot of people say, oh, you're diabetic. Did you eat too many chocolate bars? I'm like, no, it's not how it they works. They shouldn't even call it the same thing. Oh, they really shouldn't. Because type 2 is for, like, you know, lack of a better term, for overweight people. Right. A lot of cases that eat a lot of crappy food. Right. And they and take then- a magic pill and they're good. They can keep eating their freaking 7-ups and <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mars yeah. bars, right? Whereas type one, the pancreas stops, shuts right down, stops producing insulin. Yeah, completely right. shuts off. And so, in order, like for your cells to get energy, you need the transport hormone, which is insulin. So, you know, anytime I eat a carbohydrate, it turns into sugar in my body. And if I don't have insulin, it just fills in my blood with sugar, and um, that causes all sorts of complications. Like, you know, that's where where people get amputated or or blind or impotency god forbid you know so there's there's a lot of um negative things that are associated with it and in order to combat that you have to take insulin with meals and um so that will put the energy into your cells and and uh, you know it's basically counting carbs more or less right? yeah so every meal you got to count okay this is 80 carbs divided by whatever your bolus is and all that other stuff sure you know to decide okay so if it's 80 carbs divided by 16 because that's the mathematical equation then you need six shots of insulin or look at you well like i said we're in diabetes it. dad yeah, yeah we're into it now you know right. and that's you and that's basically it. so what i'm asking you is my kids are all very both of them are 11 and 13 so when you're 18 and it's diagnosed 
how does that affect you? Because I mean, you're a teenager. You're going sure. out drinking. You're going out with your friends Absolutely. or whatever it may be. Yeah, I was actually seeing a doctor to get my Washington State pro wrestling license when I found out because I was getting really sick. I was rapid weight loss. I was frequent urination. I, there was not enough water in the world to, to quench my thirst. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew something was up, but you know, didn't really know what. And uh, so I saw the doctor and they did a couple tests and I had to get my blood taken for the license. And he comes back. He's like, Kyle, are you diabetic? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, awkward. <laughs> so that's kind of how they broke the news. And, you know, it was a come to Jesus moment and it was a bit of a make or break situation for me. But, it, you know, it, I t- look at it as a blessing in disguise and it keeps me accountable for my health now. Like now I have no excuse to not keep myself physically fit and to watch my diet and, and things like that. So it's. It's almost a good thing for me, man. Like I, you know, it's it's hard living on the road and this this lifestyle certainly, but you know, like I said, I think of people who are suffering from it and I f- I figure, you know, with this and this lifestyle I can kind of try and bring some more awareness to it. Like I think, you know, Bobby Clark, the uh, famous NHL Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all time, um, was Type One, and that was in like you know the medieval times of Type One, where they had to sharpen their needle every day, and there was only boil, one, boil, it. boil needles, and there was only one type of insulin. It was just you know it was the Wild West of, mm-hmm. of diabetes. You know, it could have could have been diagnosed a hundred years ago; it'd be a death sentence. Absolutely. So he always said, "I don't want to be the." diabetic hockey player i want to be looked at as a hockey player that happens to have diabetes and i kind of want to see myself in a similar regard as a wrestler like i don't want to be the diabetic wrestler because it kind of seems like sort of like a sideshow type mentality right like they didn't hire me to try and reach that diabetic market right you know oh he's a we need a diabetic let's hire him sure they they hired me because i'm a, a good competent athletic wrestler and so right. i'm i'm gonna treat it as such and um you know because that's the thing too like when once you find out about it like like okay mary tyler moore diabetic yeah. uh Haley, Halle berry diabetic brett michaels i'd heard brett michaels for years and have partied with brett michaels where he's on the bus hanging out he has to go to his back room to check his blood and take his shot you know and then just comes back out and keeps on doing what he's doing which is really crazy because he's you know 80s rocker those guys were drinking yeah. and doing everything it went hard you know which is even more of a, of a pressure because you're always having the back of your mind have to keep that count and there's a guy his name is escaping he's the quarterback for the chicago bears jay cutler jay cutler yeah another type one diabetic sure. so late a, in life as well i think he was in his 30s who, who else he was late in life late in life yeah exactly and like the dude from raising his machine brad mm-hmm. he found out when he woke up one day blind sure you know, Crazy. so Brad is checking his his blood sugar in between songs. Brett leaves wow. the stage where they do a guitar solo to check the blood, because like you said, it's not a matter of like, oh, poor Brett. It's like Brett's a rock star and he's going to play his show, but he still has to yeah. add this in there. So for you, and I'll explain this to people: like when your blood sugar is high, it's exercise and insulin. When it's low, that's when you need candy or mm-hmm. juice or whatever. Yeah, so when you are about ready to go to do a match, let's say you got a 20, 30 minute match. Right. Do you check your blood sugar before you yeah, go out? Yeah, always. You it's want a hard it to balance, be high. Man. And yeah. like any anytime I have a match, my body kind of goes into this fight or flight mode where it's like, what is happening? Because I'm, I'm bumping. I'm creating emotion. I'm, I'm basically fighting for my life. And my, my body responds as such and releases glucose because it goes into survival mode. So every time a match is over, my blood sugar is usually pretty high. But I kind of tend to let it run high for matches because I'd rather be a little extra tired and a little more exhausted and, and it be high rather than go low during a match because that's scary, man. Because that's where, you know, over long term, high is really bad. Like that creates a lot of problems in the long term. But if it goes low, things can get bad 
really quickly and it can get really bad. That's so. like, like, like Brad, you go blind. Sure. Or, just or you go into a diabetic mean. coma and right, you know, right. some people don't wake up from those. And it's interesting because you were like Ash, when you got diagnosed, you kind of just hit the ground running and go. Ash was the same, but my daughter, Sierra, she had to go to the hospital for a mm-hmm. couple of days. Like most wow. people find out when they go into a yep. diabetic coma, sure. you were lucky that you just kind of like, you walked out of the office, like here's your insulin, buddy. There yep. you go. Right. Exactly. Do you feel your blood sugar without oh, 100%, checking yeah and if it goes low like in the night like i'll kind of have a dream that reminds me of it and then i'll wake up without fail i'll wake up in the night oh my blood sugar is low and i'll go have some orange juice mm. and go back to bed and uh, if it's high i can totally tell how do you just, feel when it's high i just feel like i just i get tired easily man i get blown up in the mat like oh my blood sugar is high right now or if i'm mm. working out and stuff like that or if you know i'm just really thirsty and having to pee a lot like because you know, that's it, interesting because like, like we went um, to, to Hawaii and we went spearfishing. Mm-hmm. And so you go spearfishing, you're out in – like we were three-quarters of a mile out from shore. Right. Right. So there's no checking your blood sugar. I had some candies like yeah. in my little bathing suit pocket. But we went in. I made sure Ash's blood sugar was high. And we went in. And three hours and it's like – like I said, it's kind of scary. If he does something, it's a long way back. Yeah. But when we got back and checked him, he was still – he was low but not dangerously low. Right. So it was nice to know that three hours of this intense Good. physical activity, he still came out of it okay. Absolutely. So you know if you go in high and have a great match of 20, 30 minutes, you're still going to come out without crashing. Sure. And that's the key to controlling diabetes. It's it's routine and it's having a good support system. It's having people around you that understand what would happen if you go low or, mm-hmm. or if you're high, like how to respond. And um, yeah, just having a routine and, and a base and a good plan and good medication. You know, it's it's a disease that you can 100% control. Absolutely. Man. There's a lot of diseases where you don't get that luxury. Yes, this, so. is, this is not the best of circumstances, but we've noticed it's not like a horribly terminal yep. thing. Like I, we talked about this, that you don't have this, but my kids have a, it's called a Dexcom. Sure. They put it, it's like a little box they put in their arm and it tells like i have an app on my phone that tells what their blood sugar is at all times and if it gets too high or low it beeps hey ash have some sugar hey wow. cc so that's cool but old school style like you it's just my routine no it's dice the, it's right what i work with yeah. and uh you know i just i i like it that way and i don't know if if i would having an apparatus attached all the time with wrestling and training and stuff it i would, might have yeah. to reapply it yeah. very often so i have my pen needles that i use and um it's funny because I actually originally started with like straight up syringes, like heroin style, and going to Japan, all syringes are banned to cut down on illicit drug use. Wow! So I had to get a new prescription for like the disposable syringe pen gimmicks. Yeah, yeah, where you unscrew the yep. the the, the yeah, needle. yeah, you couldn't bring the, the regular syringes over. So I was like, oh, I kind of panicked. I was that's like, going, weird, yeah, huh? Never thought about that because mm-hmm. they're super strict about totally. that. There. Wow! So that's that, that, I I like the fact that that. Like you said, this is going to be something that you can use to kind of help other people. Because now it's like, okay, Jay Cutler, Brett Michaels, yeah. Kyle O'Reilly. Like, wow, really? Mm. It's, it's pretty pretty yeah. cool to, to yeah, know. Yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, whoa, you're type 1 diabetic? I have too. Like, I am too. This, you know, this yeah, is cool. Yeah. Like, it, it's not like something you're going to focus on, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that like people will know that you can still do. Exactly. Still be a pro wrestler, you know? Right. Can you still go like have some beers or some drinks after yeah, the show? Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. You could do anything, right? You can, you can. Yeah. It's funny. We were going to go scuba diving and, and the, uh, the hotel thing. It says, do you have any of these diseases? And I was, and Ash was like, I got diabetes. And I was like, shut up, man. You have to tell him it's 20 minutes. You just went three hours out yeah. there. But he was too honest, so he wasn't allowed to go. Aww. But, you know, the, the, I think a lot of people don't know exactly what diabetes really is. Right. You know what I mean? The word dies in it. Does that mean I'm going to die? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So uh, Fozzie's got a new Judas t-shirt and hoodie out, and all the proceeds, like I said, are benefiting uh, diabetes research. Uh, today's the last day to get it. Represent.com slash Fozzie. Get an exclusive Fozzie t-shirt or hoodie and help out diabetes in the process. Let's beat this disease. Uh, we know Kyle is all about that, as am I. So... Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Picture this rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018, from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Talk is Jericho. Let's talk about the night of, uh, of the takeover in Brooklyn yeah. when you make your big debut. Right. Tell me about that day and the circumstances surrounding it. Uh, man, it was like we didn't even know anything was really going to happen on the takeover until a couple days removed. Um, I was out in Vancouver visiting my, my parents and everything, and they're like, can you be in New York this weekend? Yes, sir. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we arrived at the Barclays Center, which is a huge venue. I've never, never really worked in a venue of that magnitude, like, packed like that, right? Mm. And, um, you know, we get the rundown of what's going down and, you know, just the whole process of trying to find a costume. Uh, should we do it in street clothes? Well, maybe we should do it in gear because we're planning to beat these guys up. We should probably be in gear, but street clothes look badass. Let's try street clothes. So, you know, we wear a couple of jeans. Bobby wears the jeans super tight. So we get in the ring, he's throwing a couple of teep kicks and he tears a hole right in his crotch. Sorry, <laughs> jeans are out. <laughs> oh, during the rehearsal? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to kill me telling the story. Uh, so we go, let's go just half gear, half shirts or whatever, but just getting into position. Like the whole production, man, they run a tight ship there. Like, they got guys, all right, I'm, I don't know everybody's name yet, I feel awful, but, all right, I'm so-and-so, I'm going to be the one leading you to the ring, this is so-and-so, they're going to be pointing you which direction, this is head of security, this guy's going to make sure no fans are in the way while you're running out, it's like, uh, watch this, the crowd? we ran through the crowd, watch this video on my phone, this is the, this is the path you're going to take, so, like, someone <laughs> did the, uh, the path on their phone and showed us, and, man, I don't know if I've ever been so, like, amped and just nervous before a debut waiting behind the curtain you hear the ding 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 with the match ending that we're supposed to run out and it's just oh it was unlike any other feeling in the world just going out and kind of in i'm always thinking when i have to run through the crowd like what if somebody puts their foot out oh, or, if I trip or over a, a cord chair, or, like, or something i was knees something. to chest the whole time let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> what if i missed the cue yeah. you know what i mean but that is one thing i'm glad you brought that up like you can work around the world and listen new japan is as big as it gets and ring of honor is very prestigious but wwe that's a whole different animal man you You're ain't so never right. seen anything like that before you know like you always say it's the big leagues and it really yeah, is man it really is and that's I'm why i had to jump on that opportunity because i don't you never know if that opportunity is ever going to come yeah again. you know that's exactly right and uh i likened it to coming from wcw was like wizard of oz where wcw was black and white and as soon as dorothy gets to oz she opens the door and it's like color yeah it's black and white door and you walk outside and it's just this giant rainbow of colors and For stars sure. and rain unicorns you know what i mean all that sort of stuff everybody's so s smart there too everybody's got just the perfect mind for the yeah. business they have their, those jobs for a reason mm-hmm what was the crowd response like when you guys came out? Uh, it, it's kind of even hard to even like 
listen. It's just you know, like that that scene in Saving Private Ryan where it's just ee, just white noise, just like Great just kind call. of an autopilot. Yeah, my legs are burning from the lactic acid for just running out so fast, like <laughs> unnecessarily blown up to do the easiest thing. <laughs> Uh, but I think, you know, I think it was a positive response. Um, and then at the end of the night where we jumped Drew McIntyre and Adam Cole made his big debut, that's when I could kind of soak it in because I didn't really have as much to... So this was the second run and you did? So we did one at the end of the tag match where we attacked, me and Bobby attacked Sanity. Okay. And then at the end of the night, me and Bobby come back out after Drew wins the, the title. And what are these two guys doing, doing here? Doing here again, and yeah. Cole comes from behind and it's, oh, these assholes are all together. That's cool. And so that was a little easier. I could kind of take it in. It was just like, whew, like they were... They were pretty, pretty yeah. apt to see Adam, and it that's was, the it was coolest super thing over. about NXT fans is they're very, you know, they're they're in, whatever indie is the ring of honor, yeah. super crazy hardcore wrestling fans. Sure. So they're gonna know who you guys are, and I find too, even if they don't know, enough people do to where it's like, oh, these guys are somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what? So now that you come out there, is this is this a faction? The three of you guys? Yeah, yeah. It's we uh, as of now. I'm not sure when this is gonna air, but we don't really have our name yet. But uh, you know, we have our purpose, and that's to put everybody on notice and attack all the champions and mm-hmm. uh, no one is safe when we're around as far as we're concerned and we're here to make an impact and uh, prove there's a reason we are here and it's okay you're, you're Kyle O'Reilly that's cool. Kyle O'Reilly Bobby Fish and Adam Cole nice yeah, that's a sick. new thing too it like, is. before that was never a thing right yeah I was super lucky be like you know uh, the, 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 <laughs> like, like Tommy Tommy Thompson they always, they always yeah. like the tease right yeah. Troy Thompson and Gary Glitter or something like that you know I thought it was going to be Jason Brony Jay Brony for short <laughs> which would have been all right <laughs> jason brony is an awesome name if anybody out there's listening jason brony's is right for the taking yeah. have you worked any shows with nxt since the mm-hmm. brooklyn? uh so i did a, a tv shot a couple weeks before brooklyn i worked alistair black mm-hmm. um they brought brought us down to do our medicals and later that day we we showed up for the the taping and they're like all right you got a match you're main eventing like whoa like this is a big big spot for like a first time sure shot so um you know it was a great experience man and uh just like i said it's such a tight ship you get there all right here's some music choices pick one we go over your entrance every little detail is covered and you know nothing is left mm-hmm. nothing by left chance yeah, right. and like just the communication with everybody is just oh everybody's so smart first guy i see coming backstage is Shawn michaels and he's just you know giving me his thoughts and everything it's like this is this is where i need sean works for for nxt now basically oh my god coaches right Uh so what was that like when you see a guy like surreal yeah you know just a guy like sean who's literally probably the greatest of all time Mm -hmm. and you come back and he's there you know offering his two cents and just to soak it in and be in that environment with with these guys you know and and hunter like they're all just they want us to succeed you always hear these these rumors of guys, oh, oh, be careful when you go there. Oh, you're walking on eggshells. Oh, everyone's out to get you. Watch your back there. I don't think it could be further from the truth. They, they brought us there for a reason. They want us to succeed. And, you know, if we do well and we make money for them, and then in turn, we make money ourselves. And so I think, you know, I think maybe people who say that are a little disgruntled or mm. who knows. But um, I've had nothing but a positive experience so far. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to learn. I'm happy to be in this environment. So coming to Orlando, is that uh, because are you spending time at the PC? Like, yep. what's a normal day for you if you're not on the road? We just came here. We're like, basically just moved here this week so everything's still super new we're kind of still in the orientation process was bobby coming from st louis as well Uh, bobby's upstate new york okay gotcha uh adam is like central pennsylvania Mm -hmm. so we're kind of all coming from different areas 
so yeah, relocate to Orlando. You know, I'm not complaining. Super nice here. Mm-hmm. And train at the PC. Just so you go. What did you think of that place when you first? Just saw an it? amazing facility. Yeah. Like what? Have you been there? Oh yeah. Oh, what oh, a yeah, just yeah. beautiful place. Just what? a perfect. It's like you know. Like, Ivy League college yeah. for wrestling, right? And that's what it was modeled after. Right. You know, like like I always say, like if you have any abilities whatsoever and some aptitude for the business, there's no way you can't at least make it a, to a certain point with that behind you. Absolutely. You know? And the coaching is impeccable. The training is impeccable. Do you still have to do the training and the drills and stuff? We're still – right now we, we're with training with Robbie Burke's side. So, you know, we're starting out just like okay, in the, so in the grunt of it. Then. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm loving it. We had, we did the NXT PC combine these last two days, which is like, you know, the bench press competition, the deadlift, the sprints, and there's some elite level athletes there that oh, could yeah. like that, that, uh, Otis dude from heavy machinery, he benched like two, two forty five, like 48 times or something. Just re- obscene. <laughs> I'm like, well, they didn't really bring me down here for my it's bench press. It's so bad. Ability. Like, if I came in now, like, I'm the worst athlete. Like, as far as, like, you know, in wrestling, I, I'm... Stop. I can't do rolls, lift weights, jumping jacks, all. all that shit. But I'm just, I can do a flip off the second rope. That's easy. <laughs> but I see some of the stuff that they have the, the, the trainees do, like, all yeah. those drills and stuff. It's I'm nuts. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'd be done. Sure. I'd be done, you know? And it really it just proves that, you know, we're all there for a reason. We all want to be there. It just kind of reignites your passion and, and your belief in what you're doing this is what you want to do and mm-hmm. this is right this is have the right had, place to be have you had a lot of interaction with with hunter yeah uh at the at the tapings he's been nothing but cool and super into this um program and angle that we're doing and uh he, he's couldn't be cooler man yeah you well, know he's intimidating guy for sure but he's uh, definitely learned well he's intimidating anyways but now that he's kind of vince's you know right hand man yeah he's definitely learning from vince because right. hunter's intimidating and then there's vince who's at a whole oh i can't imagine i'm dreading the day where i have to meet him <laughs> <laughs> you haven't have you ever had the opportunity to meet him yet no not yet yeah 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 so when Hunter brings you in here, did you know you were coming in to be with Bobby Fish? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember when we first found out about that. Like, because when this whole thing started happening back in December, January, I thought I was just coming in alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about anybody. And um, and then we kind of found out that the three of us were doing an angle, and we're like, hell yeah! Like, because we dabbled with it a little bit in ROH, like the three of us, and it was clicking really well. Like, we all have a good chemistry mm-hmm. and camaraderie with each other, and um, you know, we're like, we're trying to to push it on our wage. Like, let's do this. Like, let's make some merch. Like, let's create something here. And they're like, oh no, like let's not. Like, and then they had Adam turn on me like a couple weeks later, and it was just like, ah, it would have been something really good. And yeah, so it's kind of cool to take something that we really wanted to happen that never was that we didn't think was ever gonna happen, mm-hmm. and now we get to run with it. And they're giving us a lot of creative freedom as well. Like, they're really cool. Like they. They know what they want, and they, they certainly tell us what they want, and uh, they give us bullet points and everything like that. But I think you know we're allowed to kind of go out, go out on a whim and, and create what we want as well. I love the fact that um, as we wind down here, that it's like NXT's become like this factory of new guys learning, but also bringing in guys with name value, and then they can like okay, so it's Bobby Roode comes in to like replace Shinsuke. And then Drew comes in to replace Bobby Roode. Then you guys come in to give Drew somebody to work with. And it's just this mm-hmm. constant, like, 
rotation of great performers. It really is like if you if you go if you're an NXT fan, like you're gonna see the best of the best yeah. before you guys even get to to the to the main roster. And it's the know? perfect place to bring us in too, to just get us used to that the system and that right. ring and the sure. style and get the, the audience used to us as well. Like it's it's the perfect feeder system like you for said, the main the, roster. The style, the WWE yeah. style. Because there is a style Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. And just like there's a style when you go to England or a style mm-hmm. when you go to Japan, and you will you, you learn a lot of um, like I learned how many bad habits I had right when I first came to WWE, and you know you just get dropped in the fire right away. But you guys get a chance to kind of grow into it a bit. Totally. You know. So what's your overall? Uh, is your overall goal at some point, obviously, to make it to to the to the yeah, WWE oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's been the goal since since day one, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but first and foremost, I just want to be respected by my peers and and by guys that pave the road in this business and i i want to be you know when when someone comes into the the locker room and sees their name on the run sheet next to mine i want to be stoked and know they're going to have a good safe match and uh, that's first and foremost and if i abide by those morals and that mantra you know the championships and the money will come i think so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna keep Who are you doing looking that. forward to working with on the nxt there's, roster oh there's so many good guys you know Oni Lorcan, I think, would be a good one. We'd match up uh, Hideo Itami. I really want to wrestle. I want another crack at Aleister Black. I want everybody, man. Give them to me. Line them up. I'll knock them down. <laughs> <laughs> Final two questions. What's your favorite match that you ever saw that wasn't you when you were a kid, like WWE or WWF? And what's your favorite match that you've ever had? You're totally going to think I'm kissing your ass because as I was thinking about this on the drive over and uh wrestlemania 19 my mom drove me down from vancouver to seattle yeah. and i you and hbk was the best live match i've ever seen oh, thanks man. that was something magical and just being at a wrestlemania was a uh just a surreal just down moment. the road in man seattle from vancouver, oh, right? it, was, yeah. it was it was unlike anything i've ever seen and it Hogan and Vince was pretty good on that show too, but you guys were the work rate match. You know what I always remember about that was uh, when Vince gets beat up and he's all bloody and Hogan's in the ring. He comes from like yeah, ring apron, just a demonic face coming from the apron gone up, like just some kind of weird demon coming out of the. Scene. That match is so underrated, man. It's the a amount great of match. story they crammed into that, like it, it, and it, Piper it, coming back. That's right. So good. Super surprised on that. I think that could be Vince's best. And Vince is, I'll tell him to his face, he's a horrible worker. He's got no coordination. Sure. He's all over the place. He'll do whatever you want. And the Sean match that he had was great because, of course, it's Sean. But the Hogan-Vince match, I think, was my favorite oh. match because of the story behind it. Yeah, you know? so much story. The two guys that basically created wrestling as we know it together mm-hmm. finally, you know. They discovered so much story just yeah. crammed into that. It was, yeah, it was totally pretty good. And he leg drops him from the ladder and through a table. The Spanish <laughs> announced guy got color come on <laughs> so good <laughs> how, about, how about your match the best match you've had um i think we all kind of have different favorite matches for different reasons whether it was you know a special opponent or with a good friend in a in a, in a town that mm-hmm. things just seemed to click that night sure. and or for a, it was a big chance you won your first big championship like d- matches of different special moments but i think uh, i mentioned the Kushida finals of the super juniors earlier that one's probably my most famous, but I think for like the best, I guess, representation of everything that Kyle O'Reilly is about and the best um, viewing of, you know, what I bring to the table and my style, I guess maybe a match I had versus Katsuyori Shibata, King of Pro Wrestling at Ryogoku, uh, maybe last October was a pretty special is one. Is that the same Shibata with the headbutt? Uh, yeah, oh. same Shibata with the headbutt. Wow, yeah. that's a drag. With the it is. Off. Did you see that? 
I wasn't there for that. I've seen him do it uh, a couple times. I, I countered it in the match. I wasn't going to take that. But to be honest, I'd only, he's only really done it like a couple times. Like people have this idea that he oh he's headbutting guys like that every match. But I think he'd only done it like you know mm-hmm. two or three times. Too many is too many as oh, it, it is, takes, right? But yeah, it's you know. Did you used to do amateur wrestling? I did. Uh, I look at your ears. You got some cauliflower. That's more on. from uh, training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of grappling on the mats and the gi and stuff like that get, gets that. But and a lot from pro wrestling too, like a little bit inflamed, and then you take like an elbow from a waist lock. Oh, it hurts! It so doesn't bad. take much. Man. I got lucky; I never got those ears. But yeah. It doesn't take much to get them because a couple times I've had it where you can feel it. Like I know. a couple more of those, and it's going to start making me. And look the like... diabetes too. I don't heal as well as the, the average man really? as well, right? Like if sugar is running a bit high, you're just going to cuts and things like that. It'll take a little bit oh, longer to heal. Oh wow! Uh, okay. So I think maybe that's why I, I sport those a little, a little more. So. Yeah, well, dude, like I said, man, you were, uh, I'd never met you before and you were there to answer some questions in a, in a rough time in my yeah. life. So it's great to, cause I actually went to Hunter after and I said, what's going on with this Kyle O'Reilly guy? He's like, we got our eye on him. I said, well, let, you know, get him in here, man. He just helped me out a lot. And he's like, yeah, we're going to get him. So I appreciate it. It's pretty man. cool to know. And I was like, yeah, man, bring him on in. So it's an inspiration, man. Like I said, it's uh it's a very cool thing to get here and then also be uh, be diabetic. And then also to be in one of the top feuds in NXT yeah. all across the board. That's pretty impressive, man. So it, congratulations. Thank you so much, Chris. All right, man. Thanks. And now reflections with Raven. I'm a big fan of MMA, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, but I like striking the most, especially if they have a good picket line. For more Reflections with Raven, listen to The Raven Effect on the Jericho Network via the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Raven's bringing the laughs to the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. And remember, $150 holds your cabin at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And everything is included in the price. All food, all the activities, all the meet and greets, all the signings, the Sea of Honor tournament, the rock and roll shows, the live comedy, the live podcast. It's all inclusive if you reserve your cabin for as low as $150. You can do that. But spend some money. Once you splurge, go on a honeymoon, take a vacation. You deserve it. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We're setting sail October 27, 2008. 18. If you book your cabin by January 15th, you still got a couple months left for that. You'll get a picture of me with the list. You can put your own name on the list if you want to. And if you book one of the first 400 cabins, we're getting down to that wire. You can be part of a special Q&A with me as well. And you'll be able to come and hang on the ship with all these incredible guests. Our hosts, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. SoCal Val is our special guest cruise director. Then there's the Hall of Famers and the uh, legends, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Killing the Town will be there, the Keeping It 100 crew, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, Beyond the Darkness telling scary tales with Dave and Tim, Brad Williams, Ron Funches, Jim Brewer doing comedy. Jim Brewer is also going to be rocking with his band, The Loud and Rowdy. Fozzie's going to be rocking. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. King, The Dives featuring Evan Stanley. The Dave Spivak Project. Rock and Roll uh, Darlings, Cherry Bombs. Shoot to Thrill, the world's greatest ACDC cover band, Female. Blizzard of Oz, the world's best Ozzy Osbourne cover band. Uh, Busted Open Radio will be there. And, of course, Ring of Honor is presenting the Sea of Honor uh, tournament aboard the ship. Matches will be happening in the middle of the ocean. And the winner of the 
UFC of Honor tournament, gets a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. The Young Bucks will be there. The villain, Marty Skrull, will be there. Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes will be there. And the newest announcement, the Briscoe Brothers, will be there. My goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do with those guys on the boat. I don't know if it's a good idea to have in them, but they will be there. Uh, and it's going to be amazing stuff. More uh, talent announced over the next few weeks. Get your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And don't forget Alpha versus Omega, January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, double main event along with Okada and Naito. Subscribe to New Japan World to see it. And don't forget this weekend, NXT TakeOver, live on the WWE Network. And uh, it's War Games with the Authors of Pain uh, and Roderick Strong versus Sanity versus the Undisputed Era, which is Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and, of course, Kyle O'Reilly, who was great today on Talk is Jericho. Thanks to Kyle for being here. Thanks to all of you for listening. And coming up on Wednesday, super funny comedian. Craig Gass, who does a wicked Gene Simmons impression. Good enough to fool Lars Ulrich. He's the rock and roll comedian. He's hilarious. He books his comedy gigs around rock and roll shows. So uh, he's hilarious. Like I said, he's got a lot of great stories. You hear them all on Wednesday. Get your laugh on with Craig Gass on Talk is Jericho. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And a big yeah, boy. And don't forget, Friday night, November 17th, on the Travel Channel, it's the legend of with Chris Jericho as we search for the lost gold of Butch Cassidy. That is tonight, Friday, uh, November 17th on the Travel Channel at 11 p.m. Eastern. Check it out and uh, watch the adventure unfold. It is amazing. <laughs>